Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Today we have Devin Daly from True, Mike Metz from VIP, and our very own Tom Colucci here to discuss shared confidences, why trust in AI-derived loan data will increase liquidity and competition in the mortgage industry. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. No problem. Throughout the webinar, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to drop them in the chat and we will have our panelists answer them. And yeah, we'll go ahead and get started here in a moment. Don't be shy out there today, friends. We want your questions. So I know our first topic, um, big question on a lot of people's minds is, What's changed in technology to give mortgage originators a new level of confidence in the accuracy and completeness of their data? You want me to start with that? Go ahead. Go for it. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think for me, th- th- there's really three things. Um, and I think first and foremost, you know, I, I always look at technology um, technology as a tool for human beings, right? And and the hardest thing to change is it's not the tech implementation of technology, it's getting the humans to change their behavior. So I think the tools around getting ops staff comfortable with the results of document classification and the results of data extraction, um, that's really meaningful, right? And that takes some time. You know, you got to factor in 30, 60 days, you got to factor in who's going to be my champion, who's going to be my reviewer. So I think, you know, if you look at this, if you've done some of this technology in the past, um, you, you know, there have been cases where, hey, you know, if you're recognizing 70 or 80 percent of your documents, that's still success. But your op staff is still seeing, you know, that 20 percent or 30 percent of those documents that they have to review. Now, granted, the results are a lot better today, but the opinions of the past are still lingering. So we need to have those better tools to show them that hey, we're getting really good results and not only are we getting really good results from the classification, we can actually extract the data in a really meaningful way and then layer tools on top of it. So before you layer those tools on top of it, you got to prove the classification and extraction of results are accurate, highly accurate. I have a much lower tech answer on that one. And I mean, if you think about our industry and what we've been in and even just the past 10 years, you've gone from the stereotypical loan officer took the loan application on a bar napkin and turning that in and hoping the processor can read their handwriting into you know online applications where already now you're getting a lot better data input in the first place. And now we're getting more sources of data as we collect more documentation, but we're also getting third-party documentation now from verifiers as that technique builds as well. What I don't think we as an industry have done as well then is kind of adapting to that. Whereas before you were doing a lot of that checking, but now you have almost too much data and we're not cross-validating that. You know, the address, for example, appears probably like eight different places on the file, the actual residential address for someone. Are you checking those eight against each other? Yeah. Theoretically, you probably are. Your people are trained to theoretically do so. But if my processor Tom Gallucci had a late night out, he may have meant to check the bank statement address against the pay stub, but his eyes may have gotten a bit blurry when he started looking at street and didn't see that it was actually road. And no one figures that out till too late in the process. So that's where I think now the tech is finally getting to the point where it can help us do that job. And 
you know, people complain about, oh, is there going to be a computer replacing my job? That was a job you didn't want in the first place. That was a job you didn't want in the first place. And now the technology, it's really ideal technology to do that cross-source validation and tee up those exceptions so that you as the human can use your brain to how to figure out how to resolve them. Exactly. I mean, piggybacking off both your points, you know, we talk about this a lot lately and how do you leverage technology, particularly automation or AI machine learning tools to handle more of those mundane tasks or um, repetitive tasks that you can then redeploy your best talent towards maybe it's more customer facing items. You're really enhancing that consumer experience in parallel with the technology that you have at hand. And, you know, Devin, going back to your points, I think of, you know, just the enhancement of data extraction going back from the early days of OCR technology and scraping and extracting through the fields of your system of record. And to your point, you're getting 60 to 70% accuracy, and that is a success, but you're still having to leverage your team and spend their time to go back through that. Or to Mike's point, if uh, you know, there's still there's always going to be that element of the human error there in checking and rechecking. And while we've got more layers of technology to support, it's not necessarily improving operational efficiency if you're still having to have, you know, your teams constantly re-verifying the information, um, you know, that your technology platforms are extracting and and you know, re- replicating throughout your system of record. Mm-hmm. A good point. And, uh, you know, one thing I'd add on there too, I think just the, you know, uh, chat GPT is the buzz of uh, every industry of late. And, you know, I think it scared everybody to death at first, but as you start to understand and think through more practical use cases of where, Automation AI is actually being leveraged. Think of like your texting or emails and, you know, the predictive uh, dictation, finishing a phrase or a sentence in there. I mean, that's a form of AI and automation already at use in your daily life. And I think that helps break down those barriers for people too and start thinking through forms like GPT of, oh, wow, you know, how can I creatively use this technology to better my daily processes and make me more productive? Yeah, I think one of the things we'll have to work on as an industry is now that we have this rich source of data and it's clean data and and the data is broader than the just the data I have on my application, what else can I do with it, right? What other applications of artificial intelligence, maybe, maybe you know, predictive analytics, how can I use that to come up with an ideal customer profile and do more intelligent marketing or identify customers that I need to pay more attention to during the origination process to have that great experience? Those are the real values that are going to come out of this when we start investing in, you know, going, going deeper with the, the new data sets that we have. I think that's a good point is what do you do with next? And I think that's something that our industry also has not done as well with is you've got a lot of this extra data available now from these documents. What are you doing with it? And I'll put ourselves in that one. I won't speak for others, but the answer was nothing. You know, you record the data that the client produces and that you put in, but you're never even recording a lot of that data that you're getting off the other information. And that really lets you zoom in on who your client is. What problems do you need to be ready for? So, you know, are we deficient in our insurance coverage? 
X percentage of time? Is it certain loan types? Is it certain states? Is it certain loan programs where I tend to be have that insurance come in with low coverage or high deductible? We never record that in the system. Um, not until now we've started playing with that where, all right, let's have the computer grab that off and put it in. And now you can start to do that analysis and try to get ahead of that of where are we likely to run into problems? Yeah. You know, that example I gave you earlier, Mike, on, on the other end, on the front end, right? The, the data I experimented years ago with the ideal customer profile and getting loan officers, you know, there's some of them doing 20 or 30 prequals a month, but they don't necessarily know who to follow up with. And so coming up with a score for them, right, based on forward predictors, right, when we do this predictive analytics, the challenge was, one, getting loan officers to change their behavior was a challenge, but two, one of our key forward predictors, right, one of the elements that's going to say, hey, this is going to be a great customer, this one's really likely to close, was did I open up a trade line in the last six months? And that wasn't data we had access to through our LOS, but we did have access, you know, it's on the credit report, but you have to read the credit report. You got to get the data. You got to do something with it to put it in your model. And now we have these tools where we can go out and grab that when the credit reports run. It's just what are we going to do with it? And how, am I going to delight my loan officer by telling them, hey, I know you did 30 uh, prequels. You should follow up with these 10 people. You can ignore the others, right? Doesn't sound like great customer service, but it does sound like I'm going to close more loans. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Well, or even thinking in this environment too, where cost producer loan has never been more expensive and lenders are looking at every way possible, not only to improve their, their operational efficiencies, but also reduce the overhead of a cost producer loan. Your prequal example or applications that don't make it to funding, you know, are there predictive analytics that we can leverage? Um you know, as far as collecting data or creating those insights that maybe save you on different providers you use and not sending, you know, that information into a low application phase that has a highly unlikely probability of ever hitting the closing table. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, when it comes to confidence in technology, how can this be tested by the secondary correspondent or wholesale markets? I can go on that one. Um, the way we implemented this one. So, I mean, we had a very young correspondent channel when we started talking to Drew and implementing on that one. Um, and we had a poor person position where they were going through the closing package, which sometimes had several hundred pages and extracting them manually and separating them out. And you know, that was kind of a new role for them. So we put in a little question for our team, just kind of checking to see how valid a job they were doing. And then did the same thing after we implemented true just on the data extraction part of it, because we always go with crawl, walk, run. So even before we take the data extraction, just can it go through a package and separate the documents correctly and into the E folders? And no surprise probably to Devin over there, the computer outperforms the person. So, you know, first we just tested it one step. And I don't know how many of you on this call have actually started playing with it. This was all space age technology to us. We didn't think we had the possibility to use technology like this. And this was safe for like Wells Fargo and US Bank to do those kinds of things um, until we learned that's not the case. So, I mean, that's where we were asking, well, what do we do? So we started doing on just certain files and seeing how those performed and then kind of did that next level of, okay, well, now let's do some data extraction and see how it does and check it over at each individual file to start, but then 
start spot checking and again the computer has a much better attention span than we do yeah agreed i, I so, think i think you take that approach right and then you take that approach and level it up to all participants in the secondary market to where we're all understanding that we trust you know we know the systems behind this we know the techniques and the methodologies behind this um we, we know how well they recognize documents and strip data and we all have that level of confidence uh, and we can provide an audit trail of what's gone on. That's going to give a level of confidence to everybody, all the secondary market players. And then I think to me, it's about you know watching the existing, watching the existing rates. You know, what are the loan buyback rates? What are the defect rates? Right. And you know, to, to Mike's point, what he experienced, we should have you know with the machines doing it, we should have lower rates. We should have much better performance than we did with just the humans and just that trust factor. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I mean, even in a buyback example, just reducing your exposure to potential buybacks through, you know, better loan quality um, on the front end and, and through your secondary market processes, you could potentially bake in more margin, um, you know, or over time, even look at better segmentation of, you know, particular loan products or pricing um, and get, you know, really strategic in that performance over time. So when both originator and secondary market organizations have shared confidence in the quality of mortgage data, what will that mean for stakeholders in the mortgage industry? Um, I, I'll state the obvious, right? Um, time is money, right? Um, we're, what we're talking about is, is good data here. Right. And and we've we've investigated as an industry levels of automation. And I think we've all figured out is that without good data, all we're doing is pushing problems faster through the origination process. With good data, it enables, you know, reliable automation. And then with reliable automation, you can decrease turn times and lower your costs. Right. So and you've got low, what low, lower costs, lower labor costs you know, uh, lower dwell times. So I've got, you know, my the the interest uh, on my warehouse line is a lot lower. And we all know that in the mortgage industry, there's 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 not one area you can look to cut 25 or 35 percent of your production cost. It's it's I don't want to say death by a thousand pinpricks, but we know there are a lot of different areas we have to look at. Right. So you look at all these areas and and, and it, it, when you think about those two things in particular, it means faster time to cash. And I think that's really important for me because as I look back on other projects, you know, we've all done in the mortgage industry, we've we've kind of gone after this elusive productivity. Yeah, we know these systems are going to be more uh, enable us to be more productive. But if we start from am I going to get cash faster and can I prove with with metrics that you know, I have fewer days on my warehouse line, a lower defect rate. Those are really meaningful and you can prove them rapidly and everybody's going to get confidence and you'll reinvest, you know, into the technology. Good point. I think one thing that goes along with that one is, yeah, the reduced turn times is excellent, both on the originating side and on that kind of correspondent side for us. And that does definitely have a financial impact. I think the other factor that's worth mentioning on that one is from the employee perspective and the employer, um, a lot of those jobs that it's doing are the ones that aren't necessarily the fun jobs to do. 
But then they also allow that person, and Tom kind of touched on this earlier, to, I'll just say, like, level up. So instead of having someone where they're focused on check the USPS address validation, I use address because it's an easy example, against all the documents across all the things, take that off their plate and instead focus on more of the big picture item and what you're paying, hopefully, them for, which is more of that critical thinking okay, does this make sense? And I think one that helps a lot in employee retention if they're no longer doing the job that they just mentally check out for four hours. But two, less them actually be happier at the job, but then play at that higher level. And I think one problem we have within our industry is there ends up being so much noise, so many little warnings, a little ding, is this worth investigating? Ding, is this worth investigating? That then sometimes you miss. Like if you get a condition approval, with 47 conditions on it, you might miss like really big one that's actually going to cause a non-purchase. Well, if now you have the computer checking most of those and now you've got two, three things you're looking at, the person's actually going to pay attention to all three of those. So I think you do, in addition to have the faster term prime, you do get some of the better employee retention, but I think you also get lower non-purchases and problems where something was missed just because of that. I don't want to call it white noise, but Non-purchase noise. How's that? I like that. I mean, it's an extremely fair point, too. We're getting dinged constantly uh, by our devices, and you've got to have some kind of controls in place of, you know, an overkill of notifications and becoming that Mm -hmm. noise. It becomes overwhelming. You don't even know where to start. Um, But, you know, I think in this question, too, and, you know, shameless plug for uh, True's ROI uh, report that, I think at its core, you know, kind of helped me level set too. And just when you think about your trusted data and one of the key takeaways from is when you have bad data and you don't recognize that until later in your loan process, that's the larger of the potential cost, like throughout your organization and, you know, more time with those files and just more inefficiencies. So, you know, you're able to improve your workflows, the earlier you're able to incorporate and flow quality data throughout um, your loan files. But I think, you know, more generally for this discussion, you could potentially have a a better flexibility in your hedging strategy. Uh, Less loan defects can create the potential to have less compliance overhead costs. You've got the potential to have as much or as few portfolio loans as the lender prefers, kind of based on their strategy, uh, because you've got less defects, less scratch and debt. Um, And to Mike's point on the operational efficiency standpoint, you know, once you can solve for one challenge, it allows you to turn your focus to other operational inefficiencies and leveraging data in different ways. And you know, kind of that crawl, walk, run, almost like a building block approach um, to leveraging your data to kind of solve for gaps in your process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talked about earlier. I think one of the things that we've seen a lot of success with is is starting with uh, post closing QC, and uh, you know, there's not a lot of insight into that today. I, I haven't seen a lot of you know post closing QC departments that have really insightful reports and and can help with uh, loan manufacturing defects, right? Um, I think when you put a lot of automation and artificial intelligence and machine learning there and can help quantify the issues as they arrive, then you can do an economic analysis to say, what are the ones most impactful, right? Where do what, what are the ones that are going to cause 
cash flow issues, buybacks, right? Suspense fees. And let's focus on those things. And then let's take, you know, and I mentioned before reinvesting in the technology, let's shift left. Let's go into the origination process. And now based on economic value of, of what we're finding in post-closing, right? Which is our data, this insights from our data and our loans, let's make those corrections one by one, right? And then you're going to be really successful. Focus on one, two, three things at a time that are going to give the highest economic value and just keep reinvesting, you know, and that's where the people come in, right? That's where the creativity or, or you know, that's where you're going to be able to change your process and the people are going to think, you know, what you hired them for, problem solving, right? I know the mortgage industry. I know where to correct this. I know how to correct this. That's really satisfying. I think that's a great way too, Devin, uh, potentially for a lender to break down the barrier with their ops team involved in, in using um, AI and, and machine learning technologies. You get to be a part, uh, potentially, of the problem-solving process because I imagine, is Mike, you probably have some firsthand perspective as you start to dig into this. It, it probably is somewhat overwhelming. It's like, you probably need to dedicate a full-time employee if you could just to do analysis of the data at your fingertips and going through kind of that analysis of prioritizing, you know, from a cash flow perspective, what makes sense to, to dig into most from, you know, solving for inefficiencies. Absolutely. And quick note, just Sarah just asked in the chat, but asking it aloud, if people have questions, feel free to ask now and we can gladly start hitting those too. I know Sarah's got a fun list of questions, but love to take some from people who are curious about this. Um, for ourselves, we're still in that implementation phase. So we're still learning this and we're still exploring what those opportunities are. And, you know, again, you got to be sensitive to it that like computers are scary, AI is scary. But when you start talking to people and you start looking through, okay, what are the parts of your job that are not fun? What are the ones that you say for 10 a.m. after you had your second coffee for the day. And, you know, let's start focusing on some of those and, you know, take a look at like funding, for example. You get the 128 page closing package from Title that hopefully is scanned on on decent, but sometimes it comes in basically on sandpaper and sometimes it's a giant PDF. And like in our case, they need to pull the note and the deed and the closing disclosure out so they can have a final closing disclosure separate. That is not the highlight of their day. So great. If we just have, Drew, go through there, look at the closing package and extract those three out and put it out there. Maybe that only, only saves them five minutes of opening the PDF, extracting them, saving them to their document, uploading it to Encompass in our case, putting them in the separate e-folder. But like, that's not five minutes they enjoy, you know, and they've got, by the time they finish that, two more phone calls from Title asking about funding status on another file. Like, I'd rather you go do that then do these little jobs. And that's where every department, when you start digging in, you find that there's the different things that they're going through, they're scanning, they're reviewing. That's not the fun part of their job. That's to me, the easy wins where you can go through. And then from there, you just take it to the next iteration. Well, can it do this? Can it check that? Answers usually yes. Of it, yeah, of kind of getting your people invested in the process in while five minutes per file may not seem much. I mean, quantify that over 100,000 units and suddenly you start to create uh, some, you know, a lot of time savings, let alone cost savings. There becomes like an almost emotional connection to it because once you take that pain off of them, we had an Encompass SDK update that 
True AI was expecting that to be there and we didn't have it. So True AI quit working on like a Thursday afternoon. I heard about it from every person possible. It was not working. So, you know, that was a nice proof of concept of like, oh, do people like this? Oh, they let us know when it's not working. <laughs> yeah, you may not always hear what they like, but they'll certainly let you know uh, when it's, something's not working. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Devin, question for you. You know, I'm curious from your perspective, working with a multitude of, of mortgage clients, maybe what the team at True is hearing, um, you know, from clients where they want to focus their attention, say next after experiencing a positive use case, leveraging clean data. And, you know, is there a consensus in that feedback out there across or does it span across, you know, different components of their mortgage processes? I think there are two things and and there's, you know, there's a reason why I was, you know, kind of beating post-close QC to death. We hear that a lot. And I think that there's a renewed interest in that because I, I do think it's, you know, it's, 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 it's easy to understand. Um, it's easy to calculate the savings, but the other thing is, Hey, when I get that right, I, I need to move to, you know, quote unquote, upfront underwriting. And how can I do that? But I can only do that with really good data because there is, you know, there's a real wide understanding that hey, I've tried this automation thing before, uh, but I did it based on faulty data. And so what good was it, right? All it did was push garbage into my process faster. So those two themes uh, are huge. You know, let's let's start this at the beginning of the process. Let's componentize underwriting and move as many components up front as possible because there's this thought process that that's really going to it's going to help compress the timeframes. It's going it, to it's going to lead to LO retention, right? Because loan officers want it and it's going to increase customer satisfaction, right? Because they get accurate answers faster. At least from my side, and this one's way down the road, but there was a book I read one time called The Numerati, and it's all about how you know, certain corporations are using big data and all the stuff they collect on us to predict us. So it's kind of creepy because they talked about how like a credit report company can predict when you're going to go on a trip before like ever seeing anything related to that. And one that you, it could even predict whether you were pregnant, even without ever knowing like anything about your like doctor's visits, anything else. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so when you think about that kind of level that the credit card companies have figured out like a decade ago, you think about that and us, and it's like, okay, if we start getting all this data in and we can get it from all these sources and we can trust that data, and then you get like someone in here where you can start doing some of that analysis on that data, are there certain characteristics of a loan that predict if that person's going to shock you halfway through or that that loan is going to fall out or that you're going to get a non-purchase? Um, I know on my side, I figured out, okay, if a client goes through a rescore on their credit reports, my chances of some sort of like early payment default goes up like a thousand percent. But I never figured that out until I manually looked in my credit reporting and figured out, oh, they're going through rescores. Should be more careful about those. How many of those other little golden nuggets are there that we don't know yet because we don't pull in that data? So it's down the road, but once you can start pulling in all that different information and we start actually doing the analysis on it. To me, I'm really interested to see what we can do with it. I'm not going to be looking if they're pregnant for the reference. <laughs> I don't want to know what that forward predictor is. Mm -hmm. Let's not. I would like to know if they're going to go on a trip. 
because uh, that always seems to happen at closing. I'll give you an example of that years ago from a consumer direct perspective um, with a a lender that also did consumer loans. um, One of the things that we found 70% of the time, somebody that bought a new house within six months bought what? Take a guess. A new car. car. Yeah. So, you know, they were, they were ready and teed up. So there was always this concept of what else, what trigger events happen as a result of the mortgage what other life events right we know you're going to need homeowners insurance but uh here, here's some other stats for you 70 percent there are 10 million life insurance policies taken out every single year 70 percent of them say it's for the reason of debt protection 40 percent of the 70 percent, so 2.8 million of those life insurance policies are taken out six months after a mortgage is originated so, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in financial services to identify these potential cross-sell opportunities and identify, to your point, Mike, the ideal customers who are going to be likely to be receptive to those offers, which is going to mean you know, another level of product and, and another uh, revenue stream for lenders. It's a great point. I mean, you know, not only like on the IFB side where you can complement that with your uh, CRM or marketing automation, but the cross-sell standpoint from a depository or credit union where you've got all these complementary product offerings, I mean, the quantification across your organization can just continue to expand. Are they afraid their mortgages are going to kill them? (laughs) (laughs) Well, mortgage, doesn't that literally mean death pledge? (laughs) As long as we don't go back to making 40-year mortgages the norm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Mike. I have a quick question for you. How mm-hmm. much of your potentially available potentially available data do you use at VIP, and how much do you trust before and after implementing True? Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, I will say very small percentages when you start thinking about it. Before we started working with True AI, I actually thought we were in a pretty good spot for that because we collect a lot of data. We do a lot of reporting on that data. You know, we use Salesforce on our side to do all kinds of analyses on it and other things. We have a data person that helps us look at and uses a tool I don't even understand. Um, And then when we started working with True and they showed the number of fields that they can collect, that's when I realized, oh, no, I'm I'm still kind of in the Stone Ages over here. And I do give them credit. The percentage of accuracy in that is way higher than I thought you guys would be. No offense against you at True, just I... Again, I thought only fancy companies have this technology. So the fact that it was so high kind of blew my mind to the point where I do pretty much just trust it 100%. Devin could probably tell me I shouldn't, but that's where I'm at. Um, But we still have a long way to go if we're still being honest before I take in all that information. Just you still have manpower on our side. What are we going to do with it? And there's stuff that goes into that. So we're still on that journey. But way higher. I, I, you know, I liked what you said before the the, the crawl, walk, run analogy. You know, so when, when you have the data, you know, let's let's think of a business case. What what do we want to do? And and then let's start building models. You know, before you say, hey, let's build this gigantic data model for the eight thousand data points that we can supply to you, right? 
Um, let's think of a business case and how we're going to use them and what data elements do we need, right? So keep it small, keep it laser focused, and let's prove that out. And, and then just, again, you know, I'll use the term reinvest, right? Come up with another business case. What, what product do I want to find my ideal customer? And, you know, identify the key measures for success, bring in that small data set, build the model and execute on it. I, I like that approach a lot, Mike. And it's one that we've been doing more. And, you know, when we first started working true, we thought it was all going to be just documents, splitting them up and analyzing. But then we've kind of realized, oh, there's more cases, you know, closing can do the closing package. Well, now we just before this, and I'll actually be emailing you guys on this, had the idea from one of our people of, hey, can we have it look at the homeowner's insurance and pull off that coverage? Because then that makes that a super simple thing of how much coverage is on the insurance? What is their deductible? Does that fall into our guidelines? That's going to take my Encompass programmer like 15 minutes to program the logic behind it. If we can just scrape it out of there and the answer is, yeah, we can. And then now we're not finding until our you know, docs department, theoretically our processors are catching that, but you know, we go back to the doing a million things. Right when you're drawing up docs or even when you're processing, that's not when you want to find out if you got enough insurance coverage and you need to go back. Like, Let's figure it out the day it comes in. So that's where it's just constantly growing and expanding in that way. Do you uh, do, do you often find you find it out at the right point in time, or is that something you know that's more downstream after after you've uh, after you've originated the loan? I think most things we thankfully discover during the loan process. Knocking on wood over here, um, but the goal is always sooner versus later. We try to do a pretty heavy upfront review on our side, just so you can catch things day two versus day 22, because going back to the client on something or the agents on something that further in always just causes much more customer service problems. Fantastic. Guys. Well, before we wrap today, I do want to throw out a point. If you enjoyed the discussion on this webinar, we are uh, collaborating with True again in two weeks from now on Wednesday, May the 3rd at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Specific, I almost said specific. Wow. Uh, for another TMC. Right? It is spot on. Uh, but it's a great session. The registration board is in the chat. It's called Clean Up with Clean Data, Why Data Quality is the Key to Transforming Productivity and Business Elasticity in mortgage origination. So we'll have Sean Carnes from Arvest Bank in there for that. Uh, Bob Noble from True joining. And I have the pleasure of sitting in on that discussion as well. So highly encourage you guys to join us two weeks for that. Elasticity. Thank you guys so much again for joining. Um, for anyone that's looking forward or might have missed a bit of the conversation, we will be sending out a follow-up email with a link to the recording on YouTube, as well as to our podcast as well. And if anyone does have any questions after this webinar, please let myself know and I can get those questions over to um, Devin or Mike or Tom. Preferably Devin or Mike, you don't want Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys. Have a good day. Have a good one, everybody. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.